Praise God. It's good to see everybody. Amen. It's always a privilege and an honor for me to share God's word uh, simply because I know what a wretched man uh, I am. And if not for the grace of God, I would not be able to be here in front of you uh, sharing uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, of course, with all who are, are here to listen. Now, what I've done, and Pastor Edwin hasn't really uh, shared that with you, is that underneath your seat there's an electrical charge that if I see you napping, I will hit something on the floor and it will buzz you. So, in, in light of a taser, I insist that you write down what we're about to share with you. But, like, what can I do to get you to realize that life is too precious for us to spend it doing anything else but living a Christ-centered life? Yeah. Well, what, what can I do? do? Do I need uh, bells and whistles? Do I need uh, fireworks? Do I need a dancer up here? Do I need Bono up here? What is it that I need to do to get you to live a Christ-centered life? Well, honestly, I can't do it, and I won't even try to do it. And you've been so used to listening to me and Pastor Edwin share this Christ-centered life, and you're saying, this can't really be true. There's got to be something going on with these guys. You know, they're, they're not telling us the whole truth, okay? Well, I want you to hear from someone uh, uh, Milton, can you come up and share with us? Uh, uh, yeah. Amen. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Milton. Uh, May 21st of this year, I got baptized. Amen. Woo! This is my testimony. A good part of my life, I lived as a functioning addict, a weekend warrior. I worked all week just to do the same thing every Friday and Saturday. Sunday came by, my family, I went to church. What a hypocrite I was. And, it st and started that insanity all over again the following week. I had hope for change. As a, hope, as a road driver, I drove from coast to coast. Something kept me next to his presence, because as I work, I did service, delivering tracks to truck stops, delivering clothes to the homeless from Massachusetts to Arizona. Then one day, I lost the best thing in my life, my wife of 27 years. She died of cancer. For me, it was punishment for all the wrong I did in my life. I felt like God hated me. So things got worse. I went on a run, a death run. I felt God took my world. I, I, I felt God took my world. I wasn't good enough. I was so, slowly self-destructing. I was caught in this terrible downward spiral behavior. God couldn't possibly forgive me. I must be the worst sinner in the world. I ruined my family, my life, and I hurt so many people. After I lost my job, my world fell apart, stayed in the streets, drinking and drugging. Then my mom's died. For, for me, God hated me. That's why all this was happening. One day, I just got tired of being in the streets and being used, and I dragged myself to any shelter. I ended up at the New York City Rescue Mission. I had seven days to get my act together. While I was there, I got a messenger job. I started to pray because I know my wife and mom were looking at me. 
my days were numbered at the rescue mission. One day, a group of guys showed up, shared the word from the gospel. This one guy, Stephen, got up on stage, and I felt like he was talking to me. Revelations 21.4 was what he was reading. Revelations 21.4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. And there shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Before he was finished, he looked up and looked right into my eyes, then finished the scripture. When he was done, I went to him and he prayed for me. I recited the sinner's prayer and for the first time, I felt that hope I had lost and it felt good. God has opened doors for me. For today, I have a place to rest my head. God has put my son in my life again, also my grandkids. God has also also has my nephews coming to church with me, praise God. Also my sister is back talking to me again. She has cancer and before she leaves I want to spend some time with her. I am not, I, I am, I now am involved in service and serve willingly as unto my Lord joyfully. Acknowledging the blessings and living for Jesus. In coming to MBT, I have experienced the love of Christ through the congregation the leaders of the ministry, and my pastors. I am currently attending the New York City School of the Bible. My sponsor, Gus Cordio, and being discipled by Mike Flattery. <laughs> Jesus Christ gave me the power to begin to live a healthy and constructive life, doing God's will. And, and now I am immensely grateful for all the people that came into my life. I truly want to live a Christ-Christian life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Several things. I hope you listened to what he was saying. Um, the greatest part for me is that I met his nephews, and they're coming to church. At the age of 8 and 10, they're being exposed to the love of Jesus Christ. I firmly believe and I hope for that when I was growing up, someone would have shared the gospel with me, uh, only uh, uh, to realize that there were very few people who were living Christ-centered lives. There were people who were coming to church, but very few were living Christ-centered lives. Here's the big deal today. We've been in a series called The Christ-Centered Life. This uh, wheel has been set up here so that you can be reminded constantly that if you get squeezed and you're living a Christ-centered life, these are the things that will come out of your life. As a person who has a Christ-centered life, prayer is something that we must do. You, you cannot negate any part of this wheel. Your fellowship, your service, your witnessing, your word, and living in obedience as a Christ disciple, you must, you must, do these things. There's no way around it. You know, if you're baking a cake, you might stay away from milk or water, but you cannot erase any of these things and expect to live this Christ-centered life. 
I, I, I love Milton dearly because when I started talking to him uh, this week, I was like, um, how did you get here? <laughs> like, how do you get to MBT? How do you get to 360? And for a long time, one of the things that we strived on was making a, you know, the, you use it in the street, make 360 a place that rings bells. And what we wanted to do is to make sure that people knew that they could come to this place and get help. And it's, I, you know, the way God incidents, the way he set it up, is that uh, uh, Pedro works in the rescue mission. Pedro came to us through me witnessing to him and, uh, um, you know, him getting his culinary uh, uh, degree to be able to cook. He cooks in a rescue mission. He feeds a bunch of people. Milton's there. People who are living Christ-centered lives go and preach the gospel there. And he hears this word that looks like and feels like God is talking directly to him. That in the midst of how he felt about feeling the loss, that he was being punished by God, that he was unforgivable. Listen, God is not a punishing God. Not that way. There's the wrath of God that we spoke about. And those who incur the wrath of God are those who in their own unbelief continue to live in a life of disobedience. And God uses your circumstances to do what? To get you to the center. So if you're out here somewhere and God wants to get you into this Christ-centered life, he's going to keep nudging and pushing and getting the circumstances of your life until you look to the center and realize, man, this is where I need to be. Not at the outskirts. I need to be here. I'm going to speak about something today, stewardship, that when you mention, people think it's just about money. And it's not about money. Stewardship is about everything that God has provided for you. Why? This is the big kick tonight, okay? It's all about, right? This is what it's all about. It all belongs to God. Can you say that with me? It all belongs to God. That's right. You're absolutely right. You get an A for repeating what I said. But now you have to begin to understand it. It all belongs to God. Everything you have, not just your money, but everything else you have, the life you have is a life that you should live in significance, being able to reach others, invest in others, and bring others along for this journey. Let me tell you something. This is the greatest journey I've ever been on. I've ever been on. This is, this is great. Anybody into roller coasters? Right? You get on a roller coaster, you get back on the ride, you're like, woo, that was good, we're going to do it again. Right? This is the greatest journey I've ever been on. I'm not a big roller coaster guy. I can't for the life of me uh, 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 be twisted and turned that way. But there are some people who do that. And let me tell you something. There is a thrill in living for Jesus. There is a thrill in living this Christ-centered life that cannot be compared with anything else. But we have to get it right. We have to understand that everything, everything, it all belongs to God. The wife, the car, the finances, the talent, the time you have. Our time is limited. Our, our time here is limited, and it doesn't end October 12th or May 21st, people. Come on. All right? It ends when the Lord says it ends. It, 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 it gets fulfilled as God continues to move in your life. Listen, once you come to Christ, there's something that happens according to the scriptures, right? The Bible says that your name is written in the book of life. Meaning that heaven, you're heaven bound. You're this soul journey. You're, you're, you're passing through. 
you, you're living now, but there's this place in the future that awakes you. This eternity. We're all going to live in eternity. Amen? Can we agree to that? If that is so, right, why do I spend so much time on the temple? Why do I spend so much time on the temporary stuff in life? That which instantly gratifies me for a moment, but doesn't have any real long-lasting power. There's nothing greater than what has happened with Milton throughout his journey, that now there's a generation that he will impact if he keeps bringing his nephews to church. For me, that's, that's huge. That, that is huge for me. That, that's the biggest part of that testimony that he shared. That his nephews are coming. That again, you heard him say again, again, why? Because along the way, when we're in disobedience, there are things that begin to move away from us. Things we begin to, to lose. You know, it's very fleeting. It, it, you know, we, we take it for granted, so it leaves us. We take our wives for granted, so then all of a sudden we're divorced. We, and, and alone, living in a furnished room with no window and no ventilation, wondering what happened. I'm talking to somebody in this room. You might be on the verge of that because you don't really realize it all belongs to God. Your finances, you're wondering, man, I'm broke again. Well, I'm going to talk a little later on about this whole thing of applying some kind of principle in your life that even that dollar that you have in your pocket can go a lot further than it normally does. And it's important because what, what happens is that we fail to realize that if it all belongs to God and I'm just a manager, Am I a good manager? Am I managing the things that God has given me properly? As I've been studying the last month, this whole thing of being a generous steward has driven me to really examine my life. Am I uh, stewarding my children into the kingdom of God? Am I? Because God gave them to me. So how am I stewarding them? How am I bringing things into my home to cultivate? How am I using the opportunities he's given me? And everything is a teaching moment. Everything is a teaching moment. You know, you broke curfew. Oh, boy, that's a teaching moment for me. Right? Okay? Yo, you know, I, I gave you X amount of money here, and, and now all of a sudden, two days later, you're asking me for money again. What happened? Well, I had to do this, I had to do that. No, you didn't have to do anything. You wanted to. You didn't think about the future. And the future could be 100 years from now, but the future could be two days from now. Two days from now. Amen? All right. I want to read something straight out of the Word of God. Hallelujah. It's in your bulletins. It's found in Luke chapter 16, 1 through 12. It's an amazing story. And I'll explain it. But I'm going to read the whole thing as the story unfolds so that you can hear exactly what it's saying. It says, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. Underline the word wasting. Let that word stick out. Okay? So the employer called him in and said, what is this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. You know, when I read that, I said, get your life in order because it's not yours. <laughs> okay, anybody listening to me? Get your life in order 
Okay? How do I do that? I use the compass of a Christ-centered life. That's what's going to get me fixed. That's what's going to get me focused. Now, I may not be anywhere here yet. I may not be praying the way I should pray, fellowshipping or doing service or witnessing, but I know that if Christ is at the center, these things are going to come. And I have to be able to apply myself into learning how to do them. Amen? Now, the manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. And I'm too proud to beg. Oh, I know how to ensure that I have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer, he asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Look up for a moment. Because one of the things we see here is that this guy is called a dishonest rascal. And we're not promoting dishonesty or lying as a way to gain things. Jesus knew who was in his audience at that moment. Not only was his disciples there, but the Pharisees were also in that audience. And they had taken this, this, this Old Testament truth, right? This Old Testament uh, line for them to feel that if I give to God, God will give to me. All right? I, I'm, I, don't, I pray that no one feels that way in this room. I pray that if you leave here today, you will realize that you can't outgive God. Okay? And that is not a place of negotiations with God. By grace, we have received salvation through no other name but Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus Christ who I want to have right here in the center of my heart, right here in my life. There, there, there is a throne. If you can imagine a throne, who sits on this throne in your life? Who sits? You know, because again, when we start talking about this whole wheel, what's going to begin to, 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 you may feel uncomfortable. And I'm watching, that's when I hit you with the taser. Okay? Because I want you to feel comfortable in knowing that Christ loves you so much that he wouldn't allow you to continue to live in the way you're living, wondering why you're struggling the way you're struggling, yet claiming that you're blessed and highly favored and that you're a Christ follower, but not implementing those principles that are found in the Bible. Amen? Okay. He goes on to say that, in other words, what he used, what he started to do was, he used, right, he knew that he was going to be in trouble later, right? 
He knew that over here, he's getting fired, he can't dig ditches, you know, he's got a bad back, oh, I, I can't do this, this laborious work. He took what he currently had, the resources he had, and he leveraged for future gain. He took what he had currently and leveraged for future gain. What does that mean? Everybody here has to understand that we're all living in eternity somewhere. We all, we're all created for eternity. Amen? I mean, that's what the Bible teaches me. That after this body uh, gets old and broken down and I get laid in my best suit, okay? Uh, uh, I don't want to get laid. I want to be sitting up. So that's an issue i got to work on. I want to sit up. But you get laid out, right? You get stretched out in your fancy suit, right? And if you were here like a month ago, I spoke about you, you can't take it with you. You can't take anything you have with you. That box is empty. There's nothing. Nothing you have can you throw in that box. You can't take your favorite toys. You can't take this. You can't take that. There's only room for one in that box. So what I want to do is I want to use the resources God has given me here in life, in life, whether it's my time, whether it's my talent, or my treasures, the stuff that we live with. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's something wrong with those stuff having you. Okay? So there's nothing wrong with having things. It's when those things have you to the point where you get all broken up because those things are no longer there. And we've talked about this. We have this wonderful big God who gracefully provides for us, but then we bow down to these little gods, small g, who disappoint us. And you know who your little God is. You know who your idol is. I don't got to tell you. It, it, it can be anybody. It, it, it can be, you know, the, the, you know, the girl you see, the guy you see, the, the, the job you think, it's the, you know, the car. It could be anything that you're putting in a position that when that dissipates, everything in your life goes away. No. We are eternal. And what this true, that word means keen, intelligent. Now, for now, can I just be honest here? There are too many dumb Christians walking around. We, we don't need any more dumb Christians. The Bible says that God gives us a new mind, an opportunity to learn new things, right? So I want to get smarter. I want to get smarter in the Word of God and how to live so that, one, I can physically take care of myself, right? This body belongs to God, okay? Everything belongs to God. My wife belongs to God. My house belongs to God. My car belongs to God. The shirt, the watch, everything belongs to God. And if God says, take off your watch and give it to that guy who doesn't have a timepiece because he's always late to work and he's making an excuse, here, take it, go with it. Right? You need a shirt off my back? Boom. I got to be able to, to be able to, to, to listen to that. And I remember listening to this pastor who uh, had this car and, and, and the guy said, give, you know, the lady, you know, who's struggling to get to work, the single mom, your car. And, and he told his wife and his wife was like, well, if God told you, go ahead and do it. Right? So he did. He went and gave her the car. Then his wife noticed he's in the car and he was taking out the radio. And his wife said, what are you doing? He said, no, nah. he said, give him the car, but not my music. Right? When God says do something, go all out. Go all out and do it. But here's what. Here's what happens after you hear a sermon like this. Right? You, you go out and give everything away. And say, oh, I feel good now. No. 
No. God wants us to be wise in how we use our time, our talent, and our treasure. It's so important. This guy was so shrewd that he leveraged. He realized, yo, I'm in trouble over here. And for you who are living without Christ, for you who are not living a Christ-centered life, you're in trouble over here. You're in trouble on this end. Why? Because you've made everything on this end so valuable, so important, that that seesaw is tilted. Right? I had a cousin who sat on one side of the seesaw, and we were, you know, too thin, and we tried to bounce it and come down, and she would laugh. <laughs> you know, only when she allowed us to do it, we were able to level out the seesaw. Well, God is saying, today I want you to level out that seesaw. I want you to, to take what you have here today, the, the strength, the weight, the life you have here, and leverage it in such a way that you will have future gain. That's where we invest. We invest. Isn't that what recovery is about? For those who recover, isn't that what it's about? Helping the newcomer know that it works? Well, I'll take it a step further. This is what the good news is about. That you don't have to live that way anymore. That you don't have to be that miserable anymore. That you don't have to live for that thing anymore. That you can live with this eternal implication, with this future gain. Right now, this moment, you can experience the greatest joy ever. I am on a thrill ride. And I am not getting off. I went to uh, Florida and insisted, you know, I got this whole list of things that I want to do. You know, Edwards went skydiving. I don't know why he did that. You know, um, I, I wrote a bull, right? Mechanical bull. Now, the biggest mistake you can do by writing a mechanical bull is allowing a woman to be at the control. And this young lady made sure that I was on the ride of my life. I told her, go slow, you know, and get flew, flew me on. I got up again because I wasn't going to let her get the best of me. And I got back on the mechanical bull, and I'm going to try it again. All I can tell you is I had to take 12 leaves that night to sleep. But it was a thrill. There is no greater thrill than living this Christ-centered life. That when I have Christ in the center of my life, the things I do bring so much joy to me that I cannot even put a price on it. I, I cannot. That there's no way that I can, the time I spend in prayer, there's no price that I can put on that. When the Word of God is revealed to me, finally, after reading it ten times, has anybody ever read something and then, you know, doesn't understand it, and then that one time, boom, this is what God was saying to me all along, that when I witness and share this and bring somebody else into the process, that that person can then get up and say, oh man, it was because of this and this and this and that that I'm here today. Thank you so much, first to God, and first, that because someone's living a Christ-centered life, you allow yourself to be used in a way that you leverage what you have for future gain. That's awesome. That's, that's absolutely awesome. That's an experience that we're trying to get you to understand. Again, I couldn't get Milton off of drugs. I couldn't. I can't get you to be better with your wife. I can't get you to be better with your husband. I can't get you to be better with your kids. 
Only you wanting to live a Christ-centered life. I can't get you to be better with your finances. I'm going to hear you whine all the time about being broke. I'm going to hear you whine about, oh man, you know, I, I want that marriage. I want that diet. I want this. I want that. Meanwhile, you don't want to work for it. You don't want to work for it. You don't want to roll up your sleeves and, and, and get your hands in there. You want this instant. You want the pastors to zap you. There is no electricity under your seats. But I've often talked about that. If it wasn't for Edwin's wisdom to tell me we can't do that, I would probably have installed them. I, I, was, I was like, wait, Pastor, how can we get them to live Christ-centered life? I got an idea. What about tasers? Huh? What about cattle prize? We'll get them to move somehow. We can't do that. It's the work of God and the Holy Spirit through the circumstances that you find yourself in where you finally begin to look up and say, you know what? Christ is not at the center of my life. There are other things at the center of my life. So now what I do, if Christ is not at the center, I don't pray. For what? God doesn't hear me anyway, right? Isn't that what we say? Look how miserable I am. God, does, you know, I, I don't do service. No, somebody got to serve me, man. Right? I, I, I don't fellowship. If I fellowship, it's because I'm trying to manipulate myself into a group that I'll be identified with so that people say, oh, yeah, you're down with them. No, you ain't down with them. You're a hypocrite. You're a dummy. You ain't doing the right thing. Am I being too hard? I need to keep you up. That's why. So I, I need to do that. Then, then, you know, witnessing. I'm not going to share because you don't believe this. See, if you don't believe this, it's okay where you are right now. But I got to tell you something. There is an eternity that you and I have to live. And you're going to live it somewhere. That's all. Take your pick. No, you're not going to be floating around in the air trying to find your way. No. You're not going to come back as something else. Now think about that. If you do come back as something else, you better not be a cockroach in my house. <laughs> better not. Okay? I mean, I'm not being offensive to anybody, but if you believe in that, you know, you come back, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know, you're in trouble. This is the truth. It's been around for years and years and years. And again, if you were here early and you heard Milton's testimony, it was the word of God heard, pierced his heart, that changed him. It was nothing else. Considering everything he's been through, it was someone standing in front and reading Revelation 24. No more tears. No more pain. No more sorrow. You don't have to suffer anymore. You, you don't have to go through life the way you've been going through life. You, you can live this abundant life. That there's no, you know, a, a gray area. You know, God paints it very clear for us and says, listen, this is what you can have. It's not temporary, it's eternal. You can experience this every single day. Every single day you can experience this. We have issues when it comes to where our money goes to. We have issues where our time goes to, where our talent goes to. And I got to tell you something that, and my wife is very good at this, and, and she was here in the earlier service, and she always tells me about the quality of time that I spend with her and with my children. The time, the quality. She doesn't tell me about the quantity. She tells me the quality of the time that I spent. You know, in the last 
couple of years, I've learned to listen better. That means I've put away my phone, I've shut the TV off, all the noise I've obliterated and been able to listen. When I was growing up, eye contact was huge. My dad said, are you listening? And he wanted to make sure that he was looking at, at me and that I was looking at him. So I began, I began to implement this in my own life. Why? Because I want to be a good steward. And to be a good steward means that everything I have, it all belongs to God. So I want to make sure that I put in place certain things that are going to help me be acknowledged and recognized as a good manager. It's not mine. It really isn't mine. And sometimes I could rather do without certain things than to allow those things to have me. And to have me to the extent where they control me, where my life is predicated on that thing. And happiness, you know, is based on what? On the things that happen around us. When things are going well, woo, we're up here. Right? We're flying high. When things get a little rough, woo, we're over here. Can I tell you that joy doesn't go up and down? That the joy of the Lord is something you can experience every single day. It's not based on having, it's based on knowing that Christ is at the center of your life. That your life is being lived to the fullest according to what Christ has called you to do. There, there are several things to look at with this shrewd manager, this, this guy who sensed that this was about to happen. What I need you to know first and foremost is this. It all belongs to God. In your sermon map, there is a blank place where you need to fill out. And you're going to write down, it all belongs to God. And the scripture at the very bottom there says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. And there are several questions that follow there. One is, am I using the time, treasure, and talents entrusted to me in accordance with the owner's wishes? The other question is, am I carefully keeping an account of how the owner's gifts are being used? And am I living a Christ-centered life with my time, talents, and treasures? Now, this is a summer map you can take with you. And you can read over and over again. You can go over your notes. Because of the time allotted, sometimes there's some stuff that, that you just don't hear right away. And you need to read it again and make little notes for yourself. But here's what, what I've learned in a short time. The Pharisees believed this thing about God helps those who help themselves. You know that I can't find that anywhere in the Bible? Does anybody realize that? I hope that you leave today knowing that that's not true. God, by grace, pours into your life. By grace and favor, he provides for you. And you're probably saying, yeah, I don't feel too favored. I don't feel too blessed. I don't feel too graced. Well, it's a question for you to answer. Is Christ at the center of your life? Are you engaged in the temporary instant gratification lifestyle or are you leveraging what you have now for the future? I was here, 15. I can run, jump, fight, do anything with the best. Over here, 
I'm a lot wiser. I've learned to cross the street. I've learned to talk with people and have a dialogue. I've learned to get along with people. Over here, couldn't care less about you or anybody else. Are you listening to me? Before Christ, during Christ, few lessons I had to learn because there is something for me to gain at the other end of this. See, the Bible talks about these words that I hope you hear. It says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You may enter. It's like a password to a club. Woo, right? Right? Knock at the door, what's the password? Right? And, and, and you have to be able to recite that. And those are the words that I want to hear. Those are the words that I strive for. Not work for, but strive. Strive indicates that it's a, it's a battle. Every day for me. I, I got to keep pushing. I got to keep trying to be a good dad. I got to be trying, you know, to be a, a good husband. But I've gone away from trying to be good. And I've realized that if my crisis at the center of my life, it's going to be a natural outgrowth. He's going to show me how to deal with the situations. He's going to show me how to address these situations. Why? Because now I'm praying. I'm not praying so God can bless me. I'm praying, God, let your will be what I do. With everything in my life. God, when I get into your word, reveal it to me. Show me this truth that's there, this principle that I want to live by. And what I've learned in the last month, and, and even before that, it's, it all belongs to God. 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 Everything belongs to God. So if it all belongs to God, how should I be treating the people in my life? How should I be treating this body that belongs to God? How should I be taking care of it? Right? Because like I said, at 15, I can run, I can jump. Over here now, at my age, I got to ask permission for my left foot to move. You know, I, got, I roll out of bed now. I don't, I don't sit up like I used to. Boom, you know. I got to roll out of bed. I got to hit the snooze button three or four times just to convince my body that it's time to get up. Okay? And my body argues a lot these days. No reason to get up. But there is. So I, I want to be able to do that. Amen? Now, now I, I want to show you something on this chart paper that we kind of pull out. Because these are the three areas that we have to learn how to be good stewards. Okay? With my time, I want to be able to use my time wisely. Okay? How many hours in a day? 24. You know, I talk to people all the time and they're always asking for more time. No. What we need to be able to do is manage the time we have. What you can't do today, you do tomorrow. Amen? Does everybody understand that? That I want to manage my time in such a way that I don't try to do everything. Because let me tell you something. When you try to squeeze everything into one day, you often, you often miss out on the essence of that moment. There's, there's this beautiful fragrance about spending time in the right way. The other thing is people equate time with service. What service are you doing? If, 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 if you're in the church, how are you using your talent, your gift, whatever it is that you have, how are you using it to serve others, to invest in others? You know, uh, 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 in, in going to the New York Bible School, we have an arrangement with them 
And there are people who are serious about, you know, learning more about God. We know that our time is limited. So we try to connect people in places that they can go. And the same thing is that there are people among us who God has blessed. So we tap them on the shoulders and say, hey, are you willing to sponsor somebody? And they say, yeah, I'll sponsor somebody. And that's how Milton is going to the New York School of the Bible. We also believe in discipleship, right? So we don't want to leave you out there alone. So we say, okay, we need those who are a little more mature, need to disciple others, right? If you're in the rooms of recovery, you understand that you have to have a sponsor, okay? You cannot work your own program. You've got to have a sponsor. You've got to develop a sponsor-sponsee relationship. You've got to do some step work. You've got to get into the book. You've got to make some meetings. Okay? Everybody understand that? We're, re- you know, recovery uh, church. That, that's what we've done here. Amen? So we don't want to ignore that part, but the, the, the essence of it, to go that step further, to really be empowered, is to let Christ be at the center of your life. There's something about that, that part, when Christ is at the center, you work your recovery more sincere. Honestly, I mean, you really, I don't, I, again, I don't want to offend anyone in any way, shape, or form. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to say that I've seen people who are living this Christ-centered life, who are in recovery, who have this goal and sense and power about them. Because there's this truth that they're trying to live. And that when things are not going well, they still are able to continue on this journey forward. You've heard it before, right? If you're going to fail, fail where? Forward. If you're going to fail, fail forward. If you fall down, get back up. Okay? Too many of us fail backwards. Too many of us fall and we run. This is too hard. Well, who said it was going to be easy? Who said it was going to be easy? If you're married in this room, listen to me. I'm going on 25 years of being married. It's never been easy. But I would do it all over again. I'd probably do some things differently to avoid the pain that I've caused her. But I would do it all over again. Because I know that it all belongs to God. And some people who are in this room, you know, and are not married, they're like, oh man, once you get married, everything changes. You better believe it changes. Somebody's going to hold you accountable for your nonsense. I was a good boyfriend. I dated well. I had flowers. I had candy. We went on dates. Don't worry where the money's coming from. Now, I'm saying no to a lot of things. Yeah, it changed. Why? Because there's a future we're trying to set up. If you want to get a house together, if you want a vacation together, if you want to do this together, you can't keep spending it here the way you're spending it. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. God has given it to us to manage it and to use it for his glory. Does that mean that I got to be poor? No, it don't mean you got to be poor. That's a theology we don't preach here. You don't have to shave your head and go live in a monastery chanting, no. You know, and and then this other side is this, you know, prosperity, where you name it, you claim it. I want your call. Yeah, go ahead, take it, brother. Here's the key. Get out of here. 
I got a pretty new car. And God has made me wise in how to manage it. And wisdom has been that I don't loan it to Pastor Raymond. Okay? As much as I love him, he's got an accident rate. I don't know, car just come to him. So I'm going to loan him my car. I'm sorry. He's like, yo, the Lord has need of this. Uh-uh, not of this. I got a metro card for you. But, but understand that God wants us to be wise this day. Oh, oh brother, I'll take you. Where you got to go? I'll take you. You know? But, but, but can't, you know, you, know I, you, you have to learn the lessons in life and apply the principles that have been given to us. Here's where people seem to be okay with. Their time, right? They'll serve, they'll do service. They'll volunteer occasionally, you know. They'll do a walk, a run, a bike-a-thon, okay? Their talent, I spoke about it earlier, your talent doesn't belong to you. It's not so you can win a Grammy, especially if you're going to get up there and thank your producers and everybody else and never thank God, the one who got you there and gave you this talent. People have a problem with this. They think the church wants your money. We don't want your money. We want you to live a Christ-centered life. And in living a Christ-centered life, you will understand that you have been given so that you can give to others. And giving is being a generous steward. That at the place of your heart, in your heart, it's not that you are hoard or that you're greedy or that you uh, uh, want to keep it all for yourself with tight fists when God is saying, I've given to you freely, what was the ultimate gift that God gave us? His son. He gave it all. He gave his son so that you can have it all. Imagine that. I'm giving you everything so you can have everything, so now you can keep everything? That makes no sense. I've given you everything so that you can have everything, so that you can use everything to reach everyone with this good news, this, this, this life-changing you know, message that Jesus Christ is alive and well, and he cares about you. Yeah, the person sitting in your seat. And, and here's the thing for me. I thought I was unforgivable until I heard this message of forgiveness. I thought that, 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 that I couldn't be fixed until God said, come into my shop. I'm going to fix you. And he started chipping away, and he's still chipping away. And he started sanding down, and he started changing things up, and he started, you know, uh, uh, you know just, just changing me. How? Because the people that met me where I was had a Christ-centered life, and they knew that the change was not for them to do, but for Jesus Christ to do in my life as I received him in my life. I came into the church when I first came in. I had more gold on me than Mr. T. Right? That's how you measure your wealth. If you're Latin, you got to wear the gold. Right? If you're wearing gold, please don't get offended. It's cool. Keep your gold. Because you may need to hock it to feed yourself later on. Because that's what I did. I kept my gold. And when I learned to be humble, and when I learned that it was between wearing my gold chain and feeding my family, Woo, that porn shop. Dude, take it all. I don't need it no more. I don't need it no more. Why? 
Because now at the center of my life wasn't this thing. It was Christ. And out of that came everything else. And everything else flows out of that. When you get squeezed today, what comes out of you? Huh? When you get squeezed today, what comes out of you? If you're a Christian, then be Christ-like. If you're a Christian, be Christ-like. If you're not, then when? How long? How long do you stay in this place, on this end of the seesaw, thinking about how good it's going to feel on that side, never experiencing? How long do you want to experience this abundant life, this wonderful marriage, this, this great, you know, uh, camaraderie and friendship, this renewing and restoring of relationships that you have severed because you've been so selfish, so self-centered, it's all been about you, and God is saying, get up and let somebody else enjoy this ride. That's all. That, that's all he's saying. So when it comes to this treasure part, we have a big problem with it. We, we struggle with it. And look what it says in the Word of God. It's not in your notes. I'm just going to read it. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 19. Just pay close attention because this is what it says. You know that Jesus taught more about money and possessions than anything else. And I tell you why. Because he knew that you couldn't serve two masters. You couldn't serve two masters. You're either going to love one or hate the other. Okay? And I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a big place in my life where you can't love something that doesn't love you back. Amen? And we only have one word in the English language for love. The Greeks have several. So we use love. I love that chair. I love these shoes. I love my car. I love my dog. We use it so freely that we've watered down the essence of that word. The word for love in the Bible appears many different ways, and it has different meanings. The one that God so loved the world, man, agape, meaning I love you unconditionally. There's nothing you can give me or do for me. You're going to do these things out of this natural outgrowth of Christ being at your center. Amen? But look what it says. Who sits on the throne of your heart? Look what it says. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. The problem here is not with me. The problem here is where your heart is. It's about worship. It's about what you're worshiping. It's about the little G rather than the great I am. It's about the small G who can disappoint you, who can uh, uh, let you down. Listen, God has made it clear that he will never abandon nor forsake me. Can you hear that? Wherever you find yourself today, God will never abandon or forsake you. God will never let you down. God will show up on time, on time. I've had to make some decisions. Like I said, there was a period in my life in which this part, it was just freely. It was just, I was just giving it away, just giving it away to anybody and everybody. My family lavished and lived, I, I mean, like crazy. I, absolutely. You know, I started saying no, and everybody's uptight. 
Now, I'm starting to say no when it comes to that because I'm asking God, I want to be wise and use this opportunity to be a blessing rather than just be someone who lavishes on somebody else. Of course I want the best for my kids. Of course I want the best uh, for my wife and my family. But not to the extent where the only phone call I get is for money. Anybody ever feel that way? Like somebody's just calling for you for money or somebody just want to hang out with you for money? You know what I did this weekend? I fa we fasted or abstained, but I mean, I'm calling it uh, abstaining. And they're calling it upset. I, I disconnected the phones. Nobody has a cell phone. No, I mean, they're carrying it around looking good with them, but they're not working. Because that's all they did. I get home, I want to talk with them, they're on their phone. They get in the car, they're on the phone. I say, you know what, Lord, how can I be wise but not cruel? And I said, well, I said, Lord, you're going to have to show me the way here because I don't know really what to do except that when they get in the car, I want to have a conversation with them. When I get home, I want to talk with them. You know, I want to invest in them. I can't do that competing with the G4. I can't. You know, and if you're like anything like my kids, they multitask. You know, they're doing three or four different things, and they still say, I'm listening to you, Dad. And I said, what did I just say? They said, what? I don't know. <laughs> they're not listening. So if they're not listening, they're not receiving the instructions they need to receive. So what I did was, I didn't pay the phone bill. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, Dad, you got to pay the phone bill. I said, no, I ain't paying the phone bill. It was so funny, you know. <laughs> it was so, so funny. They're sitting there watching cable. No phone, right? All of a sudden, the screen goes blue. Beep! <laughs> Call this number. Your cable has been interrupted. They're like, Dad, there's no cable, Dad. There's no phone. What are you doing to us? I say, oh, now you're listening. Now we can talk. Now we can have a conversation, right? Now I'm not going to be that cruel. Phones will go back on. The cable will go back on. But I just want to be sure. This time that we have together is precious. It's precious. Precious. The treasure we have is meant for us to live comfortably. But not beyond our means. Not to the extent we're not wise in how we utilize it and how we bless the people around us, how we invest for future gains. And this is where people have a problem with. You know, my money is my money and your money is my money too. No. The, the, the money issue is not, a, it's, it's, it's a heart issue. And that's what I hope you get out of this series where we're teaching you about this Christ-centered life. If you live in a Christ-centered life, you understand that it all belongs to God. And because it all belongs to God, I am a steward. I need to be generous with that. I need to be generous with my time. Now listen, this doesn't mean that you work ministry 24-7. Right? You leave that to the pastors, don't you, right? You let us do that. No. It means that you use your time wisely. There are some of you here that have a talent. If anybody can pick up a phone and say, Hello, this is MBT. How can I help you? Can anybody do that? Do you have the time to do that? Talent-wise, if you're playing an instrument here, it's for the glory of who? For God. It's for the glory of God. If you're working the sound to amplify our voices, it's for the glory of God. If you're giving someone something to eat, it's for the glory of God. 
If you're embracing somebody in their pain, it's for the glory of God. What I refuse to be is a crutch for people. That's what I refuse to be. And that's where the wisdom comes in, in the time, in the talent, and in my treasure. Because I've got to tell you something. When I'm spending time with you, I'm away from my family. So the quantity gets diminished. So I have to increase the quality. My talent, I've got to continue to work at being a communicator. For God. It's for the glory of God. If you're working the sound to amplify our voices, it's for the glory of God. If you're giving someone something to eat, it's for the glory of God. If you're embracing somebody in their pain, it's for the glory of God. What I refuse to be is a crutch for people. That's what I refuse to be. And that's where the wisdom comes in, in the time, in the talent, and in my treasure. Because I've got to tell you something. When I'm spending time with you, I'm away from my family. So the quantity gets diminished. So I have to increase the quality. My talent, I've got to continue to work at being a communicator. I've got to continue to work at that. So that means that I have to spend a certain amount of time giving myself to learning how to, to listen to others. To You know, I, when I first started, I used to speak to a mirror. Anybody speak to a mirror? You, you saw Milton up here shaking? Nobody wants to be up here. I don't want to be up here. But it's what talent he's given me now. I can't say, okay, um, God's going to show up every time I walk in the room. No. No. I can't take that for granted. I've got to develop my talent. How many of us want a job, but we sleep till 11 o'clock? How many of us, God's saying, get up, go knock on the door at 6 o'clock in the morning, be the first one there, send your resume to a thousand people, you know, but I don't know how to make a resume. You know what we learned to do? We ain't that smart. Me and Pastor Edwin are not that smart. We start putting people around us that are smarter. We start seeking out people that are smarter. Why? Because a good leader learns how to manage the resources he has. You think that these people who are CEOs are brilliant? They put people in their right spots doing what they know how to do best and hold them accountable. Just hold them accountable. You, 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 did you do this? You got to this day to do that and do this and, and, and that's it. You make me look good when you live out this Christ-centered life. Right? So, oh man, that's a good church because we're living for Christ. All we're trying to do is teach you what it says here so that then you can apply it. So it becomes an issue of the heart. If you have an issue with time, oh, I need more time. I need 24 hours, 25 hours in a day. You know, no, you can't do that. Oh, oh, I'm talented. Oh, yeah, I can do it. You know how many people I've run into who are talented and gifted and are now begging? I mean, just look at sports. Look at all the people that you've seen at the pinnacle of their careers who are now struggling. Struggling. How can you spend $300 million? How can you do that? I was watching Mike Tyson the other day in an interview. And it just broke my heart to know that he had the wrong people around him. And that he wasn't centered. He was searching with this. He was searching with that. Never came to the truth. So now, 
the talent you had that God gave you to do some great things, you wound up squandering. Bible talks about this a great deal. And then your treasure. Now, people have an issue with this word tithe, right? To tithe, to give unto the Lord. And, and since the last service, uh, I got to tell you, it's increased. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you why it's increased. When I first started, I didn't understand tithing, and I thought to myself that um, the church only wants my money. Right? Anybody else in this place feeling that way? Okay. So what I did was I started somewhere and worked my way up to this. I'm hoping and praying that as I continue that I will be able to increase. But if you can't be trusted with the little, how am I going to put a lot in your hands? If, 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 if you can't be trusted with the life I've given you, Listen to me, you guys who are single out here asking for real. Use us for his glory and his honor. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, know how to be grateful and know how to leverage what you have today for future. This is the shortest time I spent, but know this, this all belongs to God. In the Old Testament, they gave of their first fruits. They didn't count it. They weren't concerned about how much they bought in. They gathered based on their connection with God, what laid in their heart, and they bought it into the storehouses. They just bought it. They didn't have a discussion about gross income or net income. You know, if you talk to me about that, I'm going to tell you to get away from me. Let that be something that's Christ-centered, you and God, well, Pastor, I ain't got nothing to give. Start giving from your time and your talent, and the treasure will come. Because you're faithful with those two areas, the treasure will come. Show up. If you say you're going to volunteer to answer the phones, show up when you say you're going to show up. Don't show up when you want to. If you say you're going to, you know, uh, be on the food pantry line, or you're going to help out here early in the morning, you know the chair you're sitting on? Somebody put it there for you. All this stuff up here, somebody brought it up here for you. The coffee and the little crackers you're going to eat, somebody set it up for you. When are you going to stop being takers and start to give? That's all. That's how the kingdom of God begins to further itself. In Acts 2.42, just read it. It says God grew the church. We didn't grow it. God grew the church. Why? Because he sensed that he saw something going on there that wasn't going on anywhere else. They were breaking bread. They were selling their properties. They were sharing with each other without question or without interest. You ever get somebody to loan you something and hold on to it and make sure you understand you got to pay it back? I, you know, people come to me and say, can you loan me? And, and i got to go through a list. The first thing I say, do you have a job? How are you going to pay me back? I'd rather just have you ask me, you know, give me two bucks, and you say, I'll pay you back. You know what happens? You know how funny people are with money? That for two bucks, they won't talk to you. They'll avoid you. You know? They'll, they'll, they'll run away from you. And that's not being a good steward, what God has given you. God is a God who blesses you, and there are two things you can be. You can either be a stream 
and water many places, or you could be a dam and hold back the water. Which one are you going to be? See, the first thing you have to understand that that stream has its source. See, nobody makes that stream flow but God. But a dam is man-made. Man pours concrete and says no more water is going to go into this region unless we control how it happens. I want to be a stream. I want to water. I want to make the ground fertile. I want, I, want, I want to be able to grow old and have just, just tons, you know, of people being able to just... I got into heaven because of something you did or something you did or something you did or something you did. I'm living this abundant life. You know, my marriage has been restored because you pointed me to Christ. And Christ did this wonderful, amazing, miraculous job in my life. Nobody's going to make you stop smoking, uh, drinking, fornicating, lying, cheating, stealing, doing drugs. Nobody. Nobody. You know that. Only God can do that if you're willing. Only God can do that if you're willing. If you're willing to say, enough is enough. I'm tired of hearing rock bottom. You know there's a bottom after rock bottom? And none of us have reached there yet, but it's there. Mac, you know, there was a song like, how low can you go? How low can you go? You can go pretty low. You can go pretty low in this life. You know it. We all know it. We know if you have any kind of addiction, you know how low it can go. When you're out there on the corner and somebody's bringing you a microwave or your baby's milk, come on, man, I need this, I need this. That's pretty low. Yet, there's somewhere lower to go. But this is what I love. This is what I love. That no matter how low you go, no matter how far you are, no matter how lost you feel, how dirty you there is someone who has already paid the price so that you can live. So that you can live. And that is Jesus Christ. So start somewhere. Start somewhere. Wherever, you know, for me, I started somewhere and I worked my way up. And I'm grateful. I am grateful. Churches everywhere, listen to me. Even churches with 20, 30,000 people, there's a small percentage of people that do all the work. Those are the people that, 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 that are the pillars of the community. We need more people to live Christ-centered lives, and in living Christ-centered lives, your life will be transformed in such a way that others will be attracted and lured to you. Simply because there's a change in you that no program, no place, no thing, no elixir, no drink, no spa could do. Only Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask the team to come up. Hallelujah, glory to God. I, listen, there is no greater excitement than the times we live in. Because God continues to afford us an opportunity not only to listen to his word, but this is the big part for me. I strap up my books and I go do it. That I will go do what I hear. That I will take the suggestions. That I will be able to, you know what, I want to do this now. I want to go out there and I want to do this for 
the glory of God. That the people that avoided me before, ran from me before, didn't want to know about me before, that God would allow me to restore those relationships. I want to be the best I can be, and I can't be it on my own. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads. Glory be to God. I'm going to pray. Pastor Heather's going to come up and kind of finish it up. There's a yellow card also that here's what I want you to do. At the very bottom of it, I want you to be wise right now. If you're having issues with your time, your talent, or your treasure, your finances, your stuff, I want you to say, help me, and then I want you to put down, help me with my time. Help me with my talent. I don't know what my talent is. I just need help in uh, realizing what my talent is. Help me with my treasure, the stuff that I have. Help me to, to, to be a good steward with those things. Okay? So if you have, you put help me time. Help me uh, talent. Help me treasure. And if you need help with all three, praise to God. You know, just put it down. But I want to encourage you now as we pray. Now this is a moment where you say, okay, God, you've spoken to me. You, you said something. Um, help me with my treasure, the stuff that I have. Help me to, to, to be a good steward with those things. Okay? So if you have, you put help me time. Help me uh, talent. Help me treasure. And if you need help with all three, praise to God. You know, just put it down. But I want to encourage you now as we pray. And this is a moment where you say, okay, God, you, you've spoken to me. You said something um, that I've been fighting with for a while. You said something um, that I've been fighting with for a while, and I've been kind of reaping the reward of my disobedience. Living in obedience means that Christ sits on the throne of your heart, at the center of your life. And maybe you're not where you need to be. The great part about something like this, Sunday, Sunday to Sunday is that you get a Monday to live it out. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We praise you. We exalt you. We rejoice to know that you are God, that you are seated on your throne, Father God. And, Lord, we love you.